Yeah, let's put our hands together for that. You guys, uh, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing to be a part of Southcrest Church that not only focuses inward, but we focus outward and we do what we can to reach our community one relationship at a time. It's uh, one of my favorite seasons of the year for Southcrest. And so it is a privilege to be a part of that. And uh, you guys are absolutely amazing. I want to welcome our LaGrange campus. Uh, Let's give it up for LaGrange, man. We love y'all. It is uh, a privilege to do church, even if we're across simulcast, and I want to welcome everybody online. Today, we kick off a brand new series called How to Have a Happy Holiday, and obviously, you saw at the very beginning of service, uh, Jason and Justin Jolly, I believe, they're brothers, and they are selling products to ensure that you have a happy holiday, and it's very ridiculous, and I love those guys, but the idea is to say, hey, man, it's not going to be a product that's going to make us happy this year. Obviously, things are nice, and it's fun to have things, but what are the things that will absolutely ensure that we have a happy holiday? And so today, we're going to be looking at Thanksgiving, giving thanks always. That's kind of the main theme that's going to run through these next few moments as we talk. And so if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke 17. We're going to go ahead and jump into this real quick, Luke 17. And uh, if you'll bear with me, I threw my back out this morning, so if I'm standing funny, that's why. It's, uh, this is not cool, so, you know, I'm standing like this. So we're going to get through this thing together. Um, you know, holidays, we're, we're right here in the middle of the holiday season, right? Holidays were created so you and I would remember, right? A holiday pretty much is created so we could remember something. If you think about the 4th of July, why do we blow things up on the 4th of July? We blow things up so we can remember our independence. I really, you know, and so we grill out and we hang out and we have a day off of work so we can remember our independence. And Martin Luther King Jr. Day and Labor Day and Christmas and and those days were created so that we would remember. Um, and one of my favorites is obviously coming up uh, this week. It's it's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is is an incredible time to be with family and friends and to overeat and watch football games that I really don't even care about. But I sit there and watch it and love it. You know, it's just great. And so Thanksgiving is awesome. And, and so we're going to look at what it means to be thankful, what it means to be thankful. Luke 17, a uh, really interesting story. We're going to pick up on verse number 11. Verse number 11 is going to be up here on the screen for you. If you don't have your Bible, or you could follow along on the YouVersion app. If you go to the YouVersion Bible app, you can go to events. And then from there, what you can do is click, um, I think it's more, and then you'll see Southcrest live event. And then from there, uh, you can follow along in the notes. So here we go. Luke 17, 11 through 12. It says this. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, said, Jesus, master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice, threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus said, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Lord, thank you for your word. God, thank you for worship this morning. Thank you for Southcrest Church, God, the body of Christ. God, I pray that you just meet with us over these next few minutes, Lord, and I pray right now that you would get me out of the way, Lord, and that you would speak through, through me. And Lord, I pray that this word would change my life and the lives of everybody that's in earshot of, of today, Lord. And so we love you and we praise you. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. What we see here is a really interesting story of where these men with leprosy came uh, across the path of Jesus Christ. And so if you've ever studied leprosy, it's kind of an interesting and very devastating disease. Uh, We still have leprosy today, but there's medicines and things that you can take, and there's actually kind of a cure for that now. So we don't really see it running as rampant as we did uh, back in the Bible times. But if you studied leprosy in the Bible times, in the Old Testament um, and in the New you actually note that it can be, it can get on your walls, it can get in your clothing, um, but most importantly, the most devastating type of leprosy is obviously the stuff that gets on your skin. And uh, it not only attacks your skin, but it gives you, it'll give you deformities, you'll lose ears, no, I mean, it's very, very devastating disease. And um, it also attacks your nervous system, not just what you can see, but also internal. And um, a lot of times it's not necessarily what will kill you, um, but it also won't stop. It'll kind of keep going. It's very rare that it was ever, would ever just stop. And so the leprosy protocol back in the Bible times was this. If you had leprosy or if you were sick or had something on your skin, you had to go before the priest and the priest would deem you, hey, you have leprosy. And in that moment, you were removed from society. You had to wear specific clothing and uh, you had to shout out, I'm unclean, I'm unclean everywhere you went so people would stay a very safe distance away from you. So I want you to, I want you to think about that for just a moment. I want you to put yourself in the seat of these 10 men. Would you do that with me? Just think about that, right? All of a sudden, you're, you're sitting at home, you're hanging out, you're eating dinner, or you're a bit with your wife or your kids, and all of a sudden, you notice a little spot on your arm. You're like, what, what, what is this? And so you ignore it or whatever, you kind of go on about your business, and then you notice it kind of getting bigger or getting kind of gross. You're like, man, I, I don't know. I don't know what this is. So you go before the priest, you're like, I, I got to go get this looked at, um, and I don't know why you had to go before the priest, but that's, that was the protocol. Don't come to the church staff team if you have a sickness. We, we don't want that here. You need to go to a doctor. And uh, so that, that was the protocol, like, go before the priest. And so the priest would either, either say, hey, you have leprosy or you don't. And if you had leprosy, in that moment, your life was forever changed radically changed, right? You were taken away from your wife immediately. You could no longer hug your kids. Your house you could not go home to anymore. You could not hold a job. You couldn't come to corporate worship. You couldn't hang out with your friends. You were banished instantaneously. Your life was changed forever. You lost it all. So that's a, that's a devastating moment. And to think the only other people that you could hang out with were other lepers in a leper colony, man, that, that just stinks. That, that's awful. And uh, I could not imagine having my kids and my family and my wife and my home stripped away from me. That, that, would, that would be the, the worst thing ever. And so if you think about these 10 men, they're hanging out and all of a sudden they hear about Jesus Christ, this healing, this healing uh, uh, savior, the master. 
and, and they happened to cross paths or they saw him at a distance, you could, you could only imagine thinking, oh my gosh, this man could heal me and literally restore my entire life back to me. Right? And so that's what we see happen. Right? They cry out and say, Master Jesus, please have pity on us. We're, we're lepers, man. Can you heal us? And Jesus, he had compassion on them. And what he told them was this, go and show yourself to the priest. And when I was reading that and was studying this, it reminded me of the message I spoke a couple of weeks ago. Remember how we talked about how there's a blessing that's tied to obedience, right? This is yet another passage in the scripture where Jesus didn't pull out his healing laser fingers and said, pew, 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 you're healed. He actually required action on their part, right? He said, go and show yourself to the priest. I love that, man. That God requires some obedience on our part to receive blessing from him. And so what happens, right? They stand up. Yeah, I, I could only imagine in that moment, they're like, why the heck would we go show ourselves to the priest? Man, we are deformed. We've got leprosy all over us. We've already shown ourselves to the priest. Why would we do it again? No, instead they're like, you know what? I'm going to do it. So all 10 of them stood up and they began walking towards the priest Maybe, you know, to go see him. And in their walking, we see that they're actually healed. It's in their action that they were made whole. I just absolutely love that story. And so what Jesus did in that moment is beautiful. Not only did he heal them of the sickness, in that moment he restored to them the ability to go home. Many of you travel for work. Many of you know that you've, uh, you know, if you've had a long day at work or if you had an exhausting weekend or whatever it is, what is the best feeling in the world. Going home, man, right? You walk in the door, man, you drop your briefcase or your bag, and you're like, I'm, I'm home. He restored, God, Jesus restored that for these men. They were in that instant able to go and hug their kids and their, and their wives, and they were able to re-engage with society and go have a job, and, 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 and maybe they had goals and ambitions, and they could re-engage with that in that moment, and Jesus healed them and restored that to him. Amazing, Right? It's crazy to think it wasn't just a physical healing, but it was all this other restoration that God gave them. It's important to note that. And then we see 10, 10 lepers healed. They walk away, and in the walking, one guy, one guy had the heart of thankfulness that where he would stop and say, oh my gosh, wait a minute. There's nothing in and of myself that healed me. It's this man back here that healed me. So he turns around, he stops, he turns around, and he goes back to Jesus and he says, thank you, thank you. Thank you for healing me. And we see Jesus ask the question, he's like, weren't there 10 of y'all? Where's the other nine, man? And, uh, and so we see that nine men didn't return to say thank you, only one did. And it got me thinking as I was preparing this and thinking about, you know, I know Thanksgiving is a simple, it's a simple topic, right? But I'm telling you what, it is an, it's such an important attitude of a Christian that you and I need to be reminded constantly to be and to live thankful, to have a thankful heart. You know, when it comes to gratitude and when it comes to being thankful, I, I believe you and I have, have really good intentions of living in a posture of thanksgiving. But for some reason or another, we get distracted. We get distracted from being thankful. 
You know, as the people of God, I believe that you and I are supposed to be the most thankful people on the planet because we understood, we understand that it's Jesus Christ who has saved us and we get to go live with him in heaven when we pass away from this temporary life. We should be the most thankful people in the world, but for some reason we fall into this rut of forgetting to be grateful and thankful, uh, or we wait until a holiday rolls around to be thankful. We wait until a big old turkey's on the center of the table, and we go around the table and say, all right, what are we thankful for, guys? Well, I'm thankful for this turkey right here. Thank God for, for stuffing and, and dressing and mashed potatoes. I'm grateful. And then you roll on with your life. You know, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of this. Thanksgiving is one of the most essential attitudes required of a Christian. And for some reason, we get distracted. And if you spend, listen, I'm, I'm guilty, right? You spend two minutes with me, 120 seconds, you can come meet me down front. I'm a distracted guy, right? I mean, if a score, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at it, you know, people walking around. I'm just distracted, right? ADHD, I don't know. And uh, I'm, I'm, I fall prey to that all the time. I'll sit down at home to do something, or I'll sit down at work to do something, and, and instead of doing that thing, I, I respond to two emails, and I get three text messages, and somebody sends me a video of some guy who can't pronounce fruit and it's hilarious and then I got to go show that to somebody else because that's funny and I need you know and all of a sudden eight minutes has rolled by and I haven't even done what I needed to do and uh, I'm just distracted we live in a distracting society and um, what I don't want us to do as Christians is turn Thanksgiving into a holiday I don't want it to be an action that we are our memory jogs and it's like oh yeah I'm supposed to be thankful oh god thank you to no, I want it to be something we are. Amen. Something that we are. Right? I want us to have a heart of thanksgiving. We're called to be thankful all the time. And so I began to think about my own life. I began to walk through the enemies of thanksgiving. What wars against us for being thankful? And if you'll just allow me for the next few minutes to kind of share some of the things that I have had to deal with in my own life. I want to give you just a moment of transparency to talk about the things that I have had to check at the door uh, of throughout my existence so far, okay? Um, enemies of thankfulness, number one is this, entitlement. Entitlement is an enemy of being thankful, Right? Entitlement defined as this, believing that oneself is inherently deserving of privileges or special treatment. It's the idea that you owe me something, that this other person has something, and I should get it. It should be mine. We live in a society today where entitlement absolutely runs rampant. They believe, even myself included, that life has shortchanged me. Or that I deserve something that I don't have. And if you think about it, what happens is, is that people, myself included, sometimes we fail to be thankful for what we have, and then we feel like we deserve what we don't have. So we find ourselves in the middle here of not being thankful for the stuff we got and wishing we had stuff we didn't have. And that leaves us in a very interesting position to where gratitude and thankfulness cannot exist. At all. Entitlement is an enemy. It will kill Thanksgiving in your life. Entitlement leaves you empty. Entitlement leaves you frustrated, you know, angry, and uh, it's, it's awful. You know, envy carries deep levels of entitlement. You know, when you see a commercial, you see somebody that has something a little bit better than you, man, it's like, man, I gotta have that. And then all of a sudden, you kind of feel entitled to that a little bit. If you and I think we deserve more, 
it really, really makes it difficult to be thankful, right? If we deserve, I deserve more. It's really hard to be thankful. You see, entitlement closes the heart. Thankfulness opens the heart. Entitlement says, me, 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 I, I, you owe me. Thankfulness says the only reason why I have anything is because of the grace of God. Colossians 1, interesting right here, Colossians 1, 10 through 12, it says, And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Paul's talking about being a Christian, man. He's talking about growing up in our faith, right? Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father this is important, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. You want to fight entitlement in your life? We need to thank God that he qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints. It's not you and I, it's him. If we want, we got to stop thinking we deserve something and understand it's God's generosity that we have anything. We, we read in James that every good gift comes down from the Father of lights from above. You and I, the only thing we deserve is death. And instead of death, God came to the earth, died on the cross, and gave us life. That's huge, y'all. We need to be thankful for that today. We need to be thankful for it. Yeah. Uh, the next one is pride. Pride kills thankfulness. Pride defined, I know we, we know this, but it's a high or inordinate opinion of one's dignity, importance, merit, or superiority. It's the idea that I'm better than anybody else, that I'm the king, I did it all. The reason why I got whatever I've got is because of me. Pride kills gratitude. It's awful. C.S. Lewis says this, he says, for pride is a spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love, or contentment, right? The idea of having what I got's enough and being thankful, or even common sense. Pride is a spiritual cancer. You see, a prideful heart says that I did it. A prideful heart believes that I know what's best for me, that, that it's, it's me, 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 instead a thankful heart says that God knows what's best. And that God gave me the ability to have a brain, to be able to create stuff, and to be able to have things. It's the Lord always. We know James 4, 6 says, but he gives more grace. What is grace? Grace is the unmerited favor, right? We don't deserve that, but he gives it to us anyway, right? This is why it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It's important, guys. Pride kills thankfulness. Do you think those nine men that walked away from Jesus in that moment, do you think they may have been dealt with maybe entitlement? Or maybe some pride. I know I have in my own life, and it's something that I have to constantly check and say, nope, Lord, it's you. It's you. It's you. The next one is this, greed. Greed kills thankfulness, right? Greed defined as a selfish, excessive desire for more of something. You see, it's not bad to have something. It's not bad to have a lot of something, right? What's, what's the problem is, is when it becomes greed is when it's a selfish, excessive level 
of that. God blesses people, man. I don't, I don't want you to hear me say that you should be feeling sad for the blessings of God in your life. No, no, no. God has blessed you, and you need to live in that blessing, and that's awesome. We are all blessed. I'm blessed beyond measure, and so are you. And I'm not telling you to, to, to feel bad about that. But what I am trying to warn you against is the idea of having the selfish, excessive desire for more and more. You see, a greedy heart has to have more. A thankful heart always has enough, right? Greedy heart has to have more. A thankful heart always has enough. I read this uh, quote by Melody Beatty, I think is how you say her last name, and she says this. She said, gratitude turns what you have into enough. Gratitude turns what you have into enough, and there's no way that greed and thanksgiving and thankfulness and gratitude can ever coexist at the same time. It's just it's just impossible. Paul is, is preaching here in Ephesians 5. Here's what, here's what he says. Um, this is a, quite a challenging verse. Um, it says, But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which is not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. What Paul is doing right here in this passage is he's contrasting the difference between a Christian being a Christian and Christian attitudes and, and, and actions against what non-Christians should be. It's interesting to note that he's hitting both, it's crazy, he's hitting both external sin, right, immorality and impurity and, and coarse joking and bad language, but he also addresses the heart. See, greed is a, is a posture of the heart. It's an inward craving, a selfish desire of more and more and more. And if you want to kill greed in your life, just be thankful. Thanksgiving is the exact opposite of, of, of these things that he's talking about right here. Just be thankful for what you have. It's important. Okay? This last one is, uh, is complaining. Um, oh, Complaining right? Complaining kills generosity. Anybody have, you know, maybe you shouldn't raise your hand. Anybody have a friend or a family member, somebody in your life that does this a lot, right? Okay, I saw some hands, okay? Most of you probably raised their hand. You're like, yeah, that's me. Complaining kills thankfulness, right? Complaining defined as this. It's to express dissatisfaction or annoyance about something, a state of affairs, or an event. I've got people in my life that definitely like to express their annoyance with the stuff and things in their life, okay? It's like, okay, here we go again, you know? And I, I, began, uh, I began to think about this, you know? A complaining heart puts the focus on the thing or the circumstance. A thankful heart puts the focus on Jesus. Come on. A thankful heart puts the focus on on Jesus. First Thessalonians 5:28, very familiar passage. It says, "Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you." It's very, very important. And I got to think about my, my, my back's killing me right now. It's like, "Okay, Lord, am I supposed to give thanks in this moment?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I guess I should, right?" Maybe I should be reminded that this life is a fleeting life and that we're only here for a moment. And the pains and the things that we go through is only evidence, only evidence that we don't belong here forever. And that our Heavenly Father is calling us home, right? He's calling us home. 
And that's my, that's my home, not here. This is only temporary. You know, Kathy and I, um, we love looking at homes. We like, you know, we love homes. We, like, we look at them almost every day. And, um, you know, f- about five years ago, we drove through this community, uh, this subdivision, uh, to go have dinner with a friend of ours. And, man, when we pulled into the subdivision, we were like, oh, my goodness, this is where we want to live, man. This is awesome. And so uh, it's a great community and uh, real convenient to everything and in the school zones we need to be in and all this stuff. And so the homes were just outside of our price range. I mean, just out of the question, can't, can't afford them, right? And so we've always looked and dreamed and was like, man, it'd be great to live in there and it's awesome and we got friends in there. And um, a, a home came on the market that is substantially less than all the other homes in there. And, and it's a dream house for us. Absolutely the perfect house. Um, the only problem is, is that here's our top dollar, right? It's just there, right? Just above it. And so, man, we're praying and fasting and we're, you know, just like, Lord, if you're up there, please make this happen. And so, man, we go see it, you know, and it's just amazing. We, we've moved in this home in our minds. Have y'all ever done that? Y'all just moved in? Yeah, okay. Yeah, cool. We moved in in our homes. This happened last week. I mean, just really recent. And uh, just loved it. And we're like, man, we really feel like the Lord's called us to be a missionary into this community, Lord. And he's calling us there. <laughs> he's calling us. It's a calling, Lord. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're budgeting, we're spending, and we're getting counsel from people. We're just asking questions like, is this a smart move? Would be, would be uh, you know, are we too overextended or no? And it, it seemed to work. It'd be tight, but uh, we made it work. And then we put in an offer, and it gets rejected. And we're like, dude, go on. And we, uh, you know, like, okay, Lord, last final offer, take it or leave it. And, and they rejected it, man. They were like, no way, you know? So we were probably playing in a league that's a little bit outside of us. But anyway, long story short, I had a choice in that moment when, when, when that final offer was rejected, right? I had a choice. I could have felt entitled to it. I said, I, could, I deserve that. You know, I, I want that. Or I could have felt greedy and, and just overextended myself and, and said, I just got to have this house. I got to have it, you know? Or I could have began to complain in that moment of like, man, just don't, you know, don't have the... No, instead I said, God, this is a difficult Lord, but I want to thank you. I, w- I want to thank you. Because you're, f- for some reason, you may be protecting me. You may be protecting me for something that we don't see. You may be protecting me from overextending myself and I need financial margin to do X, Y, and Z for my family. Then I just don't even know it's coming around the corner. I could have psycho neighbors and you don't want me around these people. I don't know what it is, but Lord, I'm going to thank you in this moment. I'm going to thank you in all circumstances because you know what's best for me. Amen. I chose to do that in that moment. And I, I got to say, Matt, one year, three or five years ago, I don't know if I'd have been there. Right? It's important. Turn with me to Colossians 3, uh, and we're going to be in verse 12, and then we're going to kind of wrap up with this passage right here over the next few moments. And if you and I, if we want to have a happy holiday, we, we have to fight the enemies, these enemies of, of thankfulness, of being thankful, each and every day. And, uh, you know, maybe one day we'll live in that community. Maybe now's not the right time, and, and maybe a couple years down the road it'll be right, but I'm trusting the Lord and whatever he has for us. So Colossians 3, let's read this together. Colossians 3, starting in verse 12. Uh, This is going to kind of wrap it all up. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 
He's kind of saying the same thing that he did just a moment ago that we read. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's difficult, but what Paul's telling you is like, hey, Christians, let's grow up. Let's grow up. Let's, let's, let's do this thing. Let's act like Jesus. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. It's important right there. It's important to note that let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. That word rule, if you look at, if you break that word down, it means umpire, right? And what it's saying is that the peace of Christ should actually make a decision for every decision you make. It should make a ruling. Hey, is the peace of God in this decision? How many times do we just, you know, just run rampantly and make decisions for our life and we don't even think about the peace of Christ? We don't let the peace of God rule in our lives. Let the peace of God help you make the decisions that you choose to make in your life. It's important. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Another interesting note, the, the vehicle for discipleship, the vehicle for teaching, the vehicle for learning in this passage is actually singing. It's song. What we do right before this message isn't to fill time and to make us feel great. Oh, yay, great music, good job. No, we're learning, man. We're singing our faith and we're growing up in all wisdom through song that we sing each and every day to Jesus. That's important. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts and whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see, this whole idea is this. Give thanks always. Don't, let, don't wait for a holiday. Don't wait for the perfect circumstance. Don't wait for dinner time to roll around. Each and every day of our lives, we need to be thankful. Verse 17, I'm going to back up right here. Verse 17 says this, And whatever you do, that's, that's all of it, right? That's all that you do whether in word or in deed, right? In our speech and in our action. And as a Christian man, you and I, we got to do a better job. We got to do a better job of what we say on Sunday mornings and how we live. Bless God, brother. Okay. And what we actually physically do. We got to do a better job in letting those line up. Let them line up. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All of life, all the time. Everything that we do, we do it in the name of Jesus Christ. And we have to live conscious of his authority, his grace, his mercy, his gift, his blessing in our life. And our thanksgiving should go to God through Jesus. That's what it's saying. It's saying be thankful all, all the time. All the time. Backing up to verse 15 real quick, I just want to make this note. Um, you want to have a peaceful, you want to have a peaceful holiday season? Be thankful. Be thankful. We see peace and being thankful connected here in this moment. We won't have peace in our life. We won't have a peaceful Thanksgiving if we're not thankful. It's important. It's important to be thankful. If we lack peace in our homes, if we lack peace during the holidays, we need to examine our heart right? We need to examine our heart. There's probably some self-seeking in there, some dis- 
satisfaction with our stuff and our things and the permachise thing just isn't cutting it for us anymore and it's just not making me happy. You see, gratitude points us to the realization that all things are provided by Christ. All things are provided by Christ. You know, some practical things to be thankful for and then we're gonna, be, we're gonna pray. Um, Scott Gashler, he's on our vision team. He's an amazing man of God and uh, serves our church very well. Uh, Man, six months ago, a year ago, he, told, he gave me the, thanks, the thankfulness challenge. And uh, I see him almost every day at the gym as I'm walking out. He's like, man, I want you to do this, okay? I want you to take, I forget the exact numbers, X amount of weeks, and I want you to write down 10 things each day that you're thankful for. And by the end of this thing, you're going to have over you know, 80 or 100 things that you're thankful for. And, uh, and then come back and talk to me, and, and let's, let's walk through that, you know? And so... Um, I was like, okay, challenge accepted. And so I sat down and I began writing out the things I was thankful for. And day number one, I kind of ran out. It's like, thankful for my dog, thankful for my wife, thankful for my kids, my house. I don't have anything else I'm thankful for. I don't even know. But the next day happened and then the next day happened and the pages kept getting fuller and fuller and fuller. And I think what he may have been trying to teach me or help me with is the more thankful that you and I are, the more likely we'll have more things to be thankful for. Thankfulness kind of creates thankfulness that creates thankfulness. And so what I want to encourage you to do this holiday season, this, this week, just take this week or next week, I want to give you the thankfulness challenge. I want you to write down 10 things a day that you're thankful for and then report back to me. No, you don't have to report back to me. Uh, but write them down. Take a week and a half, two weeks, and just write things that you're thankful for. It's interesting, man. It's such a neat exercise. Take the time. If you have an issue with remembering, set reminders three times a day in your phone. You got an iPhone or whatever. It has reminders. It's a really smart phone. That's what I tell Kathy all the time. She's like, how do I get to where I'm going? It's like, you have a really smart phone. It's got the address. You can go. But anyway, you got, you got, it can set reminders morning, noon, night. Three reminders every day just says, be thankful. You can stop and just write something down. Take it 30 seconds, man. It would be really quick. Thank God for the material possessions that you have in your life, man. We are blessed. We have great homes and cars and things. It's an amazing gift from the Lord, right? Thank God for the people in your life. It's important. But most importantly, we need to thank God for his gifts to us, his gift to us. And I